Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today we continue our heavy topic, or the heavy topic, in and around death. Uh, We originally recorded this episode at the beginning of December and have put it on the back burner uh, due to our dear friend Paul West who passed away. And you can hear about that on our previous episode. And that is also why we don't mention him in this episode, uh, because it it uh, it happened after we had recorded. So we also uh, talk about episode 13, the reconnaissance of death, where David talks about his um, experience with uh, near-death experiences. And the the overall topic is more about death, mourning, and grief, and how we uh, embrace or. Um, deny death as a society so but before we get into that thank you to danny west he does all the editing and sound engineering thank you to jacob nedia at monk drums that's what you hear in the background the ruined.com is a place to go if you want to learn more about desert rain community drcrpod.com is a place to go to listen to additional uh, podcast episodes or whatever podcatcher you found this episode on dreamwalkerway.com is a place to go to get david's book desolate beauty the book of light and shadow Uh, there is also a kindle version you can find on amazon or if you want to check out the american sign language version uh, go to youtube and search dreamwalker way if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend word of mouth and social media really helps us we appreciate you and let's get into it Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Mr. Morrison. Hello, sir. Happy birthday, Danny West. Yes, yes sir. Thank you, sir. The big this, two one. This, it'll be a, a month r- removed probably when this posts, but slim slide into his DMs and wish him a happy birthday. Um, we have a possible heavy topic today. I wanted to share a, a story. I haven't told anyone this story yet. This is breaking news in my life. So last night, well, it's been unfolding. So I'd become buddies with this with this person on, uh, I'm going to keep it super vague because it's a yeah. crazy fucking story. I'd become buddies over the last like two or three years with this person on Instagram, mostly over like memes and just like non-sensory. Never met, I haven't met this person face to face. It's all been hmm. via text message or I guess whatever. Yeah, text message over Instagram. But it's been going on for about three years and probably weekly. Do they happen to be a Nigerian prince by any chance? They don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, well, no. I was going to say they might not be real, but the end of the story. <laughs> kind of. Once you turn out to be a bot, it's not even a human being. I, that would actually be way better. And you'll understand why here in a few seconds. Okay. I'm going to regret I said <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, so back in, so hadn't talked to them or seen them on Instagram in a few months. So back in August, I just said, hey, are you okay? Assuming, you know, people log off of social media for their uh, mental health or whatever. You know what I mean? Just get tired of it. And then this week, for some reason, she was on my mind this week. Well, they were on my mind. Um, so I called them because you can call on Instagram. Really? Yeah. Assuming they w- they wouldn't answer. What will they come up with next? And so I call them two nights ago, three nights ago. Obviously nothing. You, ca- you can't leave a message. So it's just you don't even know if they see it or whatever. And then last night, I scroll back in our conversation because... On their profile, they don't have their last name. It's just their first name. But I knew we had talked about each other's last name. So I scroll back almost a year in our conversation and find their fucking last name. And they committed suicide back in June. That's why they weren't on fucking Instagram anymore. And I talked to them the fucking day it happened. What? I had been texting with them that day. Because in the obituary, it said they took their life on such and such date. Wow. And our last conversation took place on such and such date. And like, so I'm sitting there in my fucking room, just like totally, totally, 
because I felt like friends with this person. Even it's so weird in 2023 where you've never seen someone face to face, but you feel like buddies with them, right? Right. And have a connection with them. And, and wow. yeah, it just the power of social media, but also the like, because there's nothing on their profile that would indicate anything was awry or amiss. Um, and so for like the last probably, what time is it? Noon? Um, the last 14 or 15 hours, 16 hours, just that idea of death and like just gone. Yeah. No, I don't have, you know, I don't have, it's not like a friend. Like if something were to happen to one of us, we know each other's family members. We know friend. you know what I mean? Like this, we know the, 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 the next level circle where you can kind of like mourn and grieve these things. Yeah. And last night I was like just in this deep sadness and like no one to talk to because no one knows this part. You know what I mean? Like, or no, I don't have a friendship with anyone else that also had friendship with this person. And so it just, it's been a weird, you know, 12 hours, whatever, thinking about this idea of death and not that it's a unique or new thought, right? but, um, why this, why has this person been on my mind so much this week? And I, and then remember like, Oh, we talked about each other's last names. And so, Took the time to like scroll through. Um, never in a million years think they were in their thirties. Never in the million years thinking what was going to be on the end of this little rabbit hole was that. It's the craziest yeah. thing. I've I don't anyone else I've ever known that has passed. There have been people to like reminisce about, right? And sort of right. that. Uh, communal mourning i guess you would call it yeah the you know being able to mourn in community and right now it just feels like just dangling out there like yeah there's no it's almost ethereal nothing solid about it yeah so anyways i wanted to bring a bigger topic just this i you know I don't, I'm like I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, but you know my my grandmother was in the hospital recently, and she's she's 97 years old, so watching her going through the the aging process, and um, so just this idea of of death, probably mourning and grieving, uh, you know, is part of a part of that. We <clears throat> you and I had a really um, I wanted to go. I think it's episode three actually. Oh, one of our early. Yeah, of, well, you and I had a a pretty incredible conversation about your personal experience with two uh, near death or three near death experiences. Um, I'm in the three timers club. (laughs) (laughs) Was it hat trick (laughs) hat trick of near death? Um, Anyways. So I'm throwing that story. I threw that grenade. I didn't tell just so anyone listening, I didn't tell them I was going to tell this story beforehand. So it's like, this is all (laughs) in your face, reactionary type stuff. But um yeah, I guess what's uh, through your life, what is what has sort of been your experience in and around grieving and mourning, and and some of the the things that have helped you walk through that kind of stuff. Well, it sucks. Yeah, there's just no way around the pain. Uh, well, I guess there is. Um, well, just to avoid I, it, I, I, I think guess. our whole society is mo- trying to go away. Yes live their lives away going around grief which is much in the long run much more destructive than going through the grief what why do you think grief go through you why do you th- why do you think as a society we have moved i've had this conversation a couple with a couple of different people but uh, around death specifically why do you think our society is so death phobic uh, i th- i think part of it is the way that we bury our dead uh, now in this period, so in the you know uh, before urbanization, when grandfather would die, they would put him on the kitchen table, mm-hmm. and you know, and everyone would would see it, would see it, yeah, yeah. and 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 it's 
ghastly to us today, but in the Victorian period, I don't I hate saying Victorian because screw her. She's <laughs> <Right>. in hell. <laughs> Queen Victoria's in hell. Uh, <laughs> we're sending her a middle Sorry. finger. Uh, the 1800s, uh, at the advent of photography, it was common to photograph a dead child mm-hmm. in a portrait. They'd prop up the child and take a family portrait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very bizarre to us today, right? So death was just... Yeah, if you imagine hearing, or even better, imagine someone posting that on Instagram. Yeah. A yeah, portrait type picture of a, of a dead baby. Yeah, they'd be demonetized. <laughs> they'd be killed. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think we're, we've removed ourselves from the dying process. Uh, hospice is put in some cold facility, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of thing. And so we, the only exposure that we have to process it is in mass media and movies and mm. shows. And well, that's not real. So we, we have a dis, uh, a disassociation with him, mm-hmm. you know, on a massive scale. So, you know, I, even like, uh, I was just thinking, uh, it was one of the Lord of the Rings movies from way back. It was, I, th- I think a king's son had died in battle and the king says no one should outlive mm. their their kids someone in the ancient world even though that's a fantasy that's a totally modern idea yeah right because everybody's you were lucky if one of your kids yeah. outlived you you know uh well and just just the what was it called infant mortality rate yeah super high yeah you would they would pass away pretty regularly yeah. so so i think that's a part of it uh and yeah, and we're a pain phobic society as well. And probably because of advertising, you know, they advertising works on finding a problem, finding a source of pain, and then exploiting that with a product uh, to sell a product of some sort or when it's usually Well, it's usually not a product that cures the pain. No. It solves it. Yeah. For a few seconds. <laughs> it's a yeah. band-aid of sort. So that so it's a recurring money yeah. stream yeah. for someone. I mean, that's I mean, yeah. yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's a very common and our brains work that way. Like they've yeah, you know, they they what do they what life hacking? That's marketing has found a hack on how yeah. to make money with this idea of solving pain. Yeah. That only lasts temporarily. But I I was thinking too, and I, I would be, and I don't, and obviously our show prep was a lot for this show. <laughs> I think it shows. <laughs> but the advent of um, cremation, because I, I was just thinking right now when you were sharing the story about the grand grandfather passing away, I've had three grandparents that I was extremely close to pass away. All three of them were cremated. And I never saw any of them um, after they passed. Yeah. Do you know anything about about the advent of cremation? <laughs> the t- well, timing of it, like, is that is that a Western thing? Is it? Was, no, I don't think so. Cremation. Okay. It's, it's actually on. an anti-Western thing. Okay. Because uh, in a, a prevalent idea in Christianity for a long time was. You know, the, the pagans are the ones that cremate and you have to be buried because when Jesus returns. Oh, right. Resurrection at the end. You need all your organs yeah, and faculties. You, know, you got to have your suit on. <laughs> <laughs> and so I always thought it was weird that we bury in suits and, and dresses. Oh, that's interesting. Like that. It's so bizarre. And they give us give them a pillow. Uh, you don't want to have a crooked neck when, you, when you're resurrected. But I do think, but your point is taking that not seeing the reality of their passing, their death, does cause a psychological issue. I, my brother was killed at the age of 21 in a car, uh, a violent car accident. And he was, you know, his head was crushed beyond recognition. And so we didn't, it was a closed casket, mm. you know, and I never saw, only my dad saw his body to recognize him. And my dad doesn't talk about that. And so, so I had... A, a long struggle with the reality of that, of not mm. seeing the finality of it all. And, and you know, and typical 
Irish American family. My dad told me to take his stuff like the week after the a couple of days after the funeral. I took his stuff and, and disposed of it and uh, cleaned out his room and uh, and we barely talk about it. And so that's it's very Irish and and somewhat American, you know. So not um, even like keepsakes. I'm I'm sure he did uh, in his own private way. I did. Mm. I he had made a. He was a, he was a redneck, my brother, and uh, <laughs> it was very common it to happens. wake up on Tuesday mornings. Monday night was his frog gigging night, okay. so he'd go out to the canals nice. and gig frog. So Tuesday morning, I would get up for school, of uh, college, and uh, there'd be a bunch of frog legs in the sink, the kitchen sink. And That's like, amazing. Freaking redneck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think my dad might have been the last person to slaughter a deer in suburbia with <laughs> just a deer hanging yeah, from the yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, so he had killed a, a, a he had, he had hunted rattlesnakes and skinned them and mm. he had had a pair of boots made out of them. Oh, wow. So I, I kept those for sure, you know, some small, and our one cassette tape that we shared, we, we had opposite, uh, Views and music. He loved. He was all over the place. He so he, Charlie Daniels band. Okay, yeah, yeah. One he played the devil went down to Georgia yeah. about fifty thousand times <laughs> on repeat while stoned, uh, and and then and then he had a, a stack of Rush cassette tapes, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, yeah, I hated all that. You know, yeah. I was like oh, Huey Lewis and the News, you know, <laughs> nineteen eighty five or whatever. Yeah, I was very deep, you know. Or like uh, Borat says, my son, Huey yeah. Lewis. <laughs> I listen to the Devo. Uh, and so, but we did share one cassette tape. In fact, all three of us, my older brother and my younger, which was the Joshua Tree by U2. That mm. cassette tape was very important, so I kept that. That's incredible. So, yeah. But, the, yeah, I did struggle with a lot of my dream life, especially, uh, where he'd be, he had appeared to me alive and then, the last second he would disappear into the mm-hmm. floor and I'd wake up just haunted and mm-hmm. very down the rest of the day and uh, unable to talk to anybody about it really except for Marsha, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can't really, when you're in that kind of grieving also, you don't have a lot of support because this, people are saying, well, get over it now. You should get over it because your your sadness makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And well, so, especially with death, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you be you become a, a leper when mm. someone dies in your family. You become a leper in your community and your circle of friends because they there's a superstition. I think they think mm. if they get too close to you, the lightning's going to strike them. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went through all that, and it was very hard, very difficult. Um. Yeah, and that was I was only. We had just gotten married, and that was three months into our new mm-hmm. life together. So, yeah, that it, it's affected. It's It's been a major theme in my life, you know, mm-hmm. that loss. So, anyway, I'm talking too much. No, not at all. And that, that I mean, I think that, I mean, that was the whole point of this idea of grieving and more. And as you were sharing your story, I was thinking about, I didn't have a similar thing with my grandparents, but they were all in their 90s. Yeah. That passed. And so, you, you know, you kind of... It, you you grieve as, or at least for me, I would grieve every time I saw them in the yeah. sense that like, this might be the last, you know, this might be the last time I saw them. And especially having gone, I left for the Navy and then went to to Phoenix for school. So I was away from, Cru- they all lived in Cruces. So I was away from Cruces for over 10 years. And so, you know, my, I, I didn't go home that often, right? Because yeah. I was on the East Coast and more so, I, I guess, when I was in Arizona more, but there was always that that thought of like this might be the last conversation I have with them, and yeah. luckily, you know, it, it or at least from my perspective, it, it drug on because they well, two of them were in their nineties, one was in their late eighties, but and I even just shared um, this is kind of relevant. The so as you know, I spoke at the Center for Spiritual Living in Las Cruces this past Sunday, and. The topic was the sacred, the mundane, and the profane. Oh my! Um, 
Yeah, very, <laughs> very churchy of them. To the, I mean, it was the bigger church that came up with the thing. And the reading, one of the readings beforehand was about um, a gentleman who had a wife who had Alzheimer's. And he was sharing about how he was married to two different people. So the woman that he originally married and then the woman because she had one of the early onset Alzheimer's. And so, the you know, he became her caregiver. And so he he had to learn how to love this new person because mm. in Alzheimer's, you just lose yeah. the person, you know what I mean? And so it reminded me of my grandfather who had, that's one of the, one, one of the ways one of my grandparents died. And he's one of the smartest dudes I knew growing up. One of the, um, like for me, one of the most positive male role, role models I had in my life growing up, just, just all the check boxes, right? Like, yeah. Um, and my last memory with him, so that, and I, I, you know, a lot of people look at football as profane, it's violent, you know, that they haven't taken care of player safety for many years, blah, blah, blah. So, so it has a negative connotation, not between you and me, (laughs) but, but, you know, in other circles, um, I think especially in the spiritual quote unquote spiritual circles, but my last memory with my grandfather was. 2000 I'm going to fuck this up. So he passed away in 2016. So New Year's Eve 2015. So 15 going into 16. He grew up in Alabama. So he was an Alabama fan and Alabama was playing Michigan State in the college playoff. And going to visit my grandfather there wasn't much conversation because his his short-term memory, you know, it would just be it would yeah. be a circular conversation. Right. At best. And sometimes you could like tap into the, um, oh, what's it called? Long term yeah, memories. Yeah, and I could talk term. to him about his childhood right. or, you know, something he did in his 20s or 30s or yeah. 40s. And, and he would go off for 10 or 15 minutes in, in miraculously, miraculous clarity. <laughs> but then he would slip back into, you know, Alzheimer's right. grandpa. And literally, my last memory with him, which is one of my most sacred memories is sitting there in the room with the fucking Alabama, Michigan state football game. Cause we both loved football. Um, it was his team. He cheered for growing up in Alabama. And we just sat there in, in silence and watched football for, I don't even know how long, 30 minutes. We didn't watch the entire, well, I left the game on when I left, but, um, you know, and he fell asleep. And so I left and, and that for me today is one of the most sacred things because at that point there was really nothing for us to bond over i had already mourned his name his name was john wallace so i had already mourned the john wallace i knew growing up having left this plane right because it he now had alzheimer's and just that perspective of learning to love the same person twice from that reading just gave me and it was i didn't plan to tell that story right like it just happened that the reading was about that and um, so that's how I started off my talk. And I did not articulate it this way. I was cracking up as far as like having to stop because I was crying and stuff like that. And and just like I didn't realize how sacred that moment was Yeah, sitting there and that he, w- he was in like a assisted living. I didn't realize how uh, sacred that moment was until I really, you know, it probably dawned on me Sunday of like, what are the chances and that was the last time I saw him too. That's the other part of the story. That was the, the last, cause I had moved to Philadelphia. So I just happened to be in town for the holidays. And, um, I think I left the next day. And so my last time was sitting there in silence with my grandfather, watching football, something we had bonded over as I was growing up, watching his favorite team who ended up, I think they won like 45, nothing or something crazy like that. And they won, you know, they won the championship that year, which happened to be, well, retrospectively it was it was important to me because he passed away three or four months later but it's just so crazy how something so small can turn into something so sacred yeah um that's how you know it's real (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah i mean there there is some yeah because him and i could have had this grand over the top sort of new year's eve together yeah and it wouldn't movie yeah, yeah, right, right, right. which is yeah it's, it's just nonsense yeah um 
you can't you can't live off of Cool Whip. <laughs> What's that from? I made that up myself. <laughs> That's, uh, but it's, most it's spirituality true. that's sold to us. I see today what you're saying. Cool I see what whip. you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. cool whip. It tastes really good. It gives you a sugar rush, uh, but it, it can't be sustained on a long period of time. Of course, there's someone out there saying, "Watch me, asshole!" You know? <laughs> yeah, All yeah. right, okay, <laughs> okay, Deepak <And>, Chopra, <laughs> and 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 maybe for someone for an individual. It, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe someone could pull it off, but. I, for me, I know I, that that would not be sustainable for me. I mean, I used to be, uh, I still am, but I was more so in my past very judgmental of uh, what I perceive to be shallow people. Mm. I'm more probably, I think, I think as far as my inner snob, that's probably my biggest uh, target, I guess, if you will, shallow people. Mm. And I've come just to just sort of, sort of, you turn your nose up to them. Yeah, immediately yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, and thanks, uh, but no thanks. Yeah, and uh, and so, but I realized there are people that actually that is who they are. Yeah, and and they are being authentic. So how can you fault them for being their authentic selves? You know, uh, there's for nothing sure. there for sure. And, uh, my cat is a good example. Uh, <laughs> spooky there's nothing there but except for pure love but he's not the brightest guy around i uh, I, I can com- confirm <laughs> confirm that take and but he's especially compared to your other cat yeah who obviously yeah. there's a lot going yeah, on yeah the there. other cat has he's so much planning. going on she stares at me yeah he's planning like, something or she's planning yeah, something and she's like what does he love so that i could destroy it <laughs> and she's constantly scheming and yeah. she's very so just because someone is smart and deep doesn't mean they're loving, mm-hmm. and uh, and mm-hmm. so my spooky boy, he's 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 the greatest. Stay spooky, spooky boy, uh, but you know he's well. He's my not favorite a lot two there between the two green eyes. <laughs> my favorite two when I come to visit you in the in the chapel, he without fail. It could happen two minutes in, or it could happen forty minutes in. He'll jump up on the table and go like he's. Going to either, I'd usually bring a drink with me. You're so right. he goes up like he's going to yeah. lick your straw. Right, yeah, my straw or where, you know, the, and, but he just sniffs it like a dog. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks off and he might come back and do it again, but yeah, it's like, he forgot that he did it. <laughs> but it's like without, fa- but it's never like you, you could just tell it's random because it's two minutes, like yesterday, he did it two minutes in. And then I, you know, other times it'll be like about to leave and it'll come. Oh wait, I forgot to sniff the straw. <laughs> let's let's get after it. And it's like just water, dude. There's nothing. It's not even. It's not even tasty. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and and just to clarify something, I looked it up while you were you were sharing sharing your story about with about your brother. But um, the reconnaissance of death is episode thirteen. Oh okay. Um, but it's it definitely delves into um. Just this idea in and around death and and how we we dance with it as a well how you've danced with it as an individual, but then I I, we do talk about sort of you know how that affected people around. I can remember talking about that on a certain level and um just how uncomfortable it makes it makes people and yeah yeah it's very weird like waking up this morning because it really hit me hard last night right that thing like surprisingly hard and this morning it's just it's more i don't feel that same sadness it's more of a i don't know if it's confusion or bewilderment or actually it's 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 not those it's it's the reminder of the unpredictability yeah. And the chaos that is life. Yeah. And that we, and I think this kind of feeds into that idea that you brought up of like how we've tried to buffer ourselves from death. Yeah. Nobody wants to see how uncontrolled life, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I know I've talked how about out of control we really are. Well, and I've talked about this book and it is fitting for this. I've talked about on the podcast um, Denial of Death yeah. by Ernest Becker. Um. And from, I mean, it was a profound book in the sense of like looking at how our society denies death or tries to deny death. Yeah. <laughs> but more so for me, it was like the denial of chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, um, uh, 
and it's just like it's part of the it's part of the world man yeah and it's like it's it, you're not you can attempt to avoid it and attempt to to sidestep it but it's it's coming for you in some way shape or form and and as chaos is it's unpredictable right yeah I guess another question I would have for you is just sort of because of your own personal experiences with near death stuff, you know, both of us have lost meaning people that mean a lot to us, you know what I mean? And so as you sort of continue into your life or navigate life, what are, what are some of the things that have become meaningful to you? with the people you still have time with. You know what I mean? Even, even if it's just something small, like we were talking about a few minutes yeah. ago. Yeah, um, it, is, it does come down to those smaller moments. Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking at our last meeting on Sunday, the, the gospel reading was the, the sheep and the goats, you know, um, for a feast of Christ, the King, it was the last judgment. And, and, Christ the judge separates the nations like a shepherd would separate mm. the sheep and the goats. And, okay. And, and the salvation is based on uh, the least. What did you do to the least of these? Mm. No, it's the people that you don't notice. And so it led into a conversation or a, a point of, uh, you know, and, and I remember seeing this, I think it started as a blog uh, and it developed it into a book Interesting. Uh, called, uh, I call it Sonderful Living. Sonderful? Yeah. So so this uh, author named John Coing, K-O-E-N-I-G, Koenig, I think is how Birgit helped me pronounce the German <laughs> name. John Koenig uh, coined hundreds of words. He collected them in his book called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Mm. And it's for specific emotions or feelings that have no English word to encapsulate them. And so one of them is called Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. Uh, Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, in which you might appear only once as an extra sipping uh, coffee in the background. And, and, uh, and then, you know, and I added on, there is an intentional spiritual act that you can do in that midst of sondering Becoming a sonderful person is a result of your own mourning, mm-hmm. becoming a, a, aware of your own loss, not just death, but the losses that mm-hmm. we, the, the heartbreaks that we encounter by living life. It makes us more empathetic. It can open up. It can also do the opposite and make us yeah, more make cruel. Yeah, make you more bitter. And, yeah. yeah. But if you, if, you, if you allow grief to go through you and engage the mourning process, acknowledge it, um, it will open up deeper wells of empathy and mm-hmm. compassion and mercy inside of you. And, and you'll experience sondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it, and it could be taken even deeper to witnessing others, total, even total strangers, witnessing them in, in their lives, mm-hmm. even if it's just for a brief moment, a brief encounter. Uh, and, and so... So that's that's kind of what. So so like one ex- I was thinking, you know, so early on you know as a as a teacher, I was a jackass teacher, you know, that was my persona and uh, Conan O'Brien wannabe. The coyote. Uh, yeah, uh wannabe stand-up com- comic kind of thing. So I, you know, unfortunately used these poor children <laughs> who are a captive audience. <laughs> Paula, if there's any out there listening, please forgive me. If there's any out there listening, please contact me so we can have you on the show. And they can't contact, <laughs> and they can't contact us because they uh, they can't read or write because of me. Because you were telling jokes. Because <laughs> I was telling jokes all the time, so it's just horrible. Uh, but anyway, early and so while I was in that grieving process, I think it was only a few months into after my brother's passing. So I was teaching, it was around Thanksgiving or Christmas because we were wrapping up class and I had a new student, like who had just come in that week and, uh, and it was a small class. It was weird back then. You'd have a class, I'd have a class of 20 Oh wow! and then I'd have a class of 40 
and they just could really? never balance it out. And the poor That's art hilarious. teacher was even, well, she was my age. She was like 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And she had a classes of 70, 70 Jesus. packed in this room. And Texas hates art. I couldn't Texas even. Texas hates education. And, uh, I think my art class, I had one, we had a, as a requirement, I think there was less than 20 people. Yeah. I yeah, couldn't yeah. imagine 70 yeah, people in a fucking art class. I mean, Especially I like, in a high school room. Yeah. It's not like it's a big auditorium like no, in college. No, these were just high school. This was middle school, actually, but yeah. Oh, even worse. Same thing, yeah. 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 So, And I preferred the larger because I could get it. Because you have more audience. I get more laughs and that kind of thing. Are you not entertained? I, and then by the time I was 30, I was like, I can't hear the laughter anymore. Uh, oh, anyway, and so I lived on, we had just moved to a street uh, from an apartment. You know, we, I just mentioned we, Marshall and I had just gotten married. And so a few months we moved from an apartment to a house right. to rent because you could do that as Generation X in the 90s. <laughs> uh, you could get a credit card without any... <laughs> any background whatsoever right. in they the just 90s send it to you. they so, did they would just send them in the mail i can remember my mom and dad getting them just right in my case in the mail. it was they had the applications on the walls <laughs> in the college classrooms and that's how i got that's a credit amazing. card and uh yeah so anyways not to fuck up your story so millennials Sorry. and zoomers <laughs> yes you do have things shit to complain about it is stacked against you it is hard to the basic living is Anyway, well, they they that. found yeah they found new Sorry. ways to get get them in debt with school loans. They didn't have to do credit cards anymore, <laughs> which you can't bankrupt. Yeah, you can bankrupt a credit card. Yeah, you can file bankruptcy. And millennials fought the boomers' bullshit war, and they and then they get well, they don't want to work. <laughs> they don't yeah. like working. Anyway, uh, I'm sure. sorry. <laughs> you opened up a you opened up a yeah. Cause, cause Gen X, my generation is caught between your generation and your generation, and and we're like, yeah, you got fucked by the. <laughs> we thought we did, but no, you got worse. Anyway, and so I had a new student, and they were talking about their plans. The you know it was the last five minutes of class where you pack up your stuff, and not a great hit the feeling. road, yeah, yeah, and you're packing up your yeah. stuff, and we're all yeah, so we're about to go on either it was either Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, and and they were and this girl. This new student, I think she had only been there a few days. Uh, uh, I, I made a joke about where I lived. I used to have a joke where I'd say, because I taught in the three six, <laughs> about 40 miles away from where I lived, so I could expose my home and all. So I, I would have this recurring joke where I'd say, you kids come to my house, I'll make you a steak. <laughs> kind of and this one, these two kids actually showed up. Time, right? Where's our good. steak? Anyway, uh, shocked, yeah, they got me good. And so I think I made a joke like that. And she kind of, this, this new student kind of, kind of perked up and she was all, Mr. Uh, you live on Sigma street. And I was all, yeah, yeah. And she was, uh, is your next door neighbor's name so-and-so? And I said, yeah. And she <laughs> was, like, then you know about my mom and his girlfriend had just committed suicide. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow. Uh, so the, his girlfriend was this girl's yeah, mother. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and so these coincidences begin to happen is what I'm trying to say. And, and there was another time at, at when I was teaching at Irvin and I had a, them, an assignment on someone reflecting on their mother's suicide mm-hmm. from Reader's Digest. I was teaching expository writing, reading, that kind of thing. And. And the, again, a student had been gone for like three weeks and she had just come back. And this was the last class of the day. And when I would open it up, I was steal, I stole Seinfeld's joke. You know, if you commit suicide, the least you can do is leave a note. It's impolite. So now, and I, was, I, was, I said that in every class. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for some reason, I didn't say it in that last class. And this oh, young wow. woman, her mom, she was gone from class. So she came up, she said, I don't want to read this. And and because her mom had committed suicide, yeah, and yeah. so you know, wrote her a note to excuse her, you know, from class. And but I didn't say that joke that that day, you know, or that one class. Yeah, that one yeah. class. Yeah. So it was just yeah. So sonderful living. It, mm-hmm. uh, it opens up almost an accidental awareness a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, and and these coincidences of people that you will meet. Um, yeah. So. Well, it's it's. You know, I don't, 
you know, I'm not to get woo woo, but you know, I don't, I am a believer of like, there's not really coincidences, right? Like there is some kind of intentional living or like guided living or whatever it might be. And be, you know, cause like you said, of all the classes to not tell that one joke yeah. of all, you know, not just that day, but like all the days you could, I'm sure you taught that article more than one semester. No, probably not. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Well, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Uh, um, no, because it was just whatever the latest Reader's Digest. Oh, I see. You would. Yeah, yeah you would. I see. I see. But anyways, it's still not making that joke that that one time Yeah. for that particular class with that woman. I mean, she was a girl at the time, but having just had gone through that experience is. is yeah. Yeah. Very, very odd. Yeah. And I, yeah, and there's hundreds of times that that things like not with suicide but with just things just everyday things yeah, yeah. well i, I have so, so i think mourning does do that and well, I, I think just know. paying attention yeah there's something about I, I i was talking about this with this with someone recently in the recovery world is is i don't think so we'll just call them coincidences i was like i don't these didn't coincidences didn't start when i got sober and I started praying and meditating. What changed was I, I was aware. Like I could pay attention and see yeah. them happening. I know they happened before, you know, while I was drinking and running amok and acting a fucking fool, right? right? But I was so out of it, you know, and I'm not saying like drunk out of it. I'm just not paying attention, like just floating through, the, <laughs> you know, through the, through through the world doing whatever yeah. I want. But when you make that shift of ha- trying to have an intentional life, trying to have a um, some kind of spiritual practice in your life, then these things that are already occurring, right? Like you and I have talked about it, but it, you know these sorts of things are, as far as um, like uh, quantum physics, yeah. they're constantly happening, right? It's just a matter of yeah. us paying attention and witnessing them and things of that nature. But I, the bigger conversation around that was. Um, this person was um they'd had a blow like sort of a something happened at work that that had pissed them off and made them uncomfortable and so they they were doing some writing about it some journaling about it and then um the support group they went to like they were writing and then they went to the support group that they're a part of and that person that had blown up at them was at the fucking support group. Oh my god! And they had never crossed paths ever before, except for in the work. Th- and their work is kind of transient, so it's like you work with different people on in different projects. Um, it's not like a workplace where you're going in and you know what I mean. So yeah. they only knew the person for a few days on this one project, yeah. and then like a week or two later, they run into them at this fucking support group, and it had just done like you know some writing about like yeah this person pissed me off and blah 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 and then they walk in and there's like that human connection but like what's the fucking coincidence yeah, what's the yeah. probability of all of all the things that yeah. happen in all the world you're writing something and less than an hour later you're sitting in a room yeah trying to connect and 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 uh grow in a certain way and and there just seems something to it you know it's a lot like uh, it's it's a brilliant piece of scripture in in the book of Acts. There's a story of the apostle Paul going to Athens, Greece, mm. and he starts talking to the philosophers who sit around and and he stands up on a hill called Mars Hill and begins to preach the gospel to them. And he quotes, uh, and I think it's one of the greatest verses in the whole Bible. But it's a quote of a hymn that was written to Zeus. Interesting. But he's applying it to the gospel. And yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. it's in God that we live and move and have our being. It even it even translates into a rhythm in English, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's in God that we live and move and have our being. And so there's this, uh, you know, it's a matrix of signals. Uh, mm-hmm. The spirit is. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, it sounds like, a hi- I sound like a hippie saying this, <laughs> but there's vibrations, <laughs> vibrations on those, on that. Matrix, man. There's a beverage here, man. <laughs> I hate, I feel so lame saying this because because when people talk law of attraction and 
all that. I just, I'm just, I roll my eyes. And well, I mean, I, we've made fun of it on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're guilty of it for sure. <laughs> well, even like uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I asked people to if I quote the Tao or something in a media, I want people to roll their eyes, you know, because I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, there he goes again into woo woo land. Uh, but but there does seem to be something there. You can't hyper rationalize it mm-hmm. to that we're all just. Uh, disconnected and isolated. You know, you have to pierce that. Well, and I think it, and now I'm just, this is just nonsense, but there is something going back to what we're talking about, authenticity. There is something about engaging in those ideas and that thing with an authentic wonder and um, even being naive to a certain level around it and someone that's, um, either exploiting those ancient scriptures for oh, absolutely and that's for what some I'm kind reacting against. yeah some kind of for weird monetary way wealth and well but you can even do it for weird like power yeah like yeah. it doesn't even have to be monetary no you know it could I be mean? Inf- for influence and yeah it, it, i mean most times it is monetary <laughs> yeah <laughs> when, when they're when that sort of things are going most people on. want influence so that they can get yeah, wealth. yeah 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 um or yeah or the other way too they want to get wealth so now they're like, oh, I can influence people. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And so anyways, but I, I think there is something important about engaging with those types of things. What You know, whatever it is, whether it's the Tao or whatever, because you have found an authentic, meaningful, whether it's whether it's a passage like you're talking about, or, or maybe it's, you know, someone that reads the Tao every day, like that's their morning reading, right? Or whatever, right. or even going back to what you were saying about, um, Paul on Mars Hill. Um, yeah, which is a brilliant segue, right? Because you have a Jewish... It's incredible. You know, a, a Jewish uh, uh, member of the... I think he was a Pharisee. So, so he was a Jewish scholar and practitioner who was speaking a Christian message, a gospel mm-hmm. message of Christ to, uh, to pagan thinkers. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's an amazing uh, segue of those three things coming together. Well, and it, 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 I was just having a conversation with this with someone this week about. I mean, it's not quite as profound, <laughs> but how well Tarantino has borrowed things from all these like incredible movies in the past. Yeah, yeah. Put them into his movies, right? Right. But still, it, it, there, you still know a Tarantino movie when you see it. You know what I mean? Even though he's borrowed all these other hip hop yeah. was very, very. I mean, hip hop's still part of this, but in the '90s they really embraced it and sampling other right, songs, right. Um, and sort of you know blatantly doing it. And then um, that I mean that's sort of how Kanye made his was changing the tempos or the the speed of the song right. to then give it an even. You're still sampling a song, but then you're giving it a, your own feel and twist on it. Um, but so for you to have this ancient example of uh, Paul, yeah. like, you know, all the context you just put to in all come to meet in that that one moment in time yeah. as he's talking to these to these scholars and, and it still connects. Yeah. Two thousand years later, it's still relevant and important. Two thousand, yeah. in my opinion. No, it's yeah, it's important to me. <clears throat> it's off the topic, but as I call it, uh, well, I didn't coin the phrase. Uh, uh, Robert Weber did ancient future faith, mm. and a good example. Modern another example from you, what you just said was this uh, Blue Note Records uh, was a, a jazz label. Oh right, in yeah. The early you know twentieth century. Uh, I think it was two German brothers who were mm. Jewish, German Jewish brothers. I think you know. Two dudes you wouldn't think would be related right. to hip hop music, yeah, and and so they they produced all these great jazz records mm-hmm. uh, for years and years in the fifties, sixties, and then they they mothballed the project in the in the nineties mm-hmm. or or seventies rather, because no one was listening to jazz yeah, music yeah, yeah. anymore, or not like they were, and so sure. it was a it was a they didn't they didn't go bankrupt, they just closed the business. Mm-hmm. And then they somehow signed on a hip hop artist. Mm. I forgot who. And then more came. Yeah. I think the song Cantaloupe from the eighties. Does that sound right? I don't know. Anyway, they all opened the entire jazz catalog to these artists, yeah. and they could sample anything they wanted, 
because uh, sampling became a, you couldn't just sample stuff well, anymore because of copyright issues. Yeah, licensing and all that pay, kind so of stuff. Only the it's, top so, it's so expensive. Rich artists could sa- pay yeah. for the sampling. So these Blue, Blue Note record artists could the sample yeah. that. So it was this fusion of the ancient, if you will, yeah. the past, ju- yeah. jazz music, and then the future, which is hip-hop, which is really, at that time, was the new folk music, really. Well, and uh, the beautiful thing about that, too, I mean, this, the music example is all those things that have taken place just in the decades you and I are talking about right now are feeding in to the hip-hop, hip-hop artists now, pop artists now. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the things that we, the new things that are happening today or all a direct lineage from those types of, yeah, of things. Exactly. Yeah. And and by the way, if I might say you you are giving off your beard is giving off major Rick Rubin vibes <laughs> today. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> you you gifted me his book a few months ago oh, and yeah, I've right. I've picked it up a few times and that the rabbit hole that that, that man's mind is is incredible <laughs> and I just get lost in there and I'm like I need to put this down for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very philosophical man. So I appreciate I appreciate that uh uh that shout out. Um yes, I so sort of just to come back to that idea of mourning and grief and and um death, is there anything else in yeah. that context that that you feel Yeah, I could tie it together. I, I remember my first experience of death in second grade my great-grandmother had died and I felt this absolute isolation I remember feeling that that nobody knows that this happened uh and I called a friend back then you would <laughs> you had to get the landline <laughs> yeah so I called a friend who lived a couple streets up you had to memorize numbers like, yeah exactly you had to write them down and 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 told him and you know he was the same age as I so he had no one so I remember hanging up the phone Cause you know what? What are second graders gonna? Right. Know, like, hey, hey, what's up? How you doing? What's up? Uh, my grandma, my great grandma just died. Oh, sorry. Bummer, dude. I got dinner. I gotta go. And so you know this yeah. feeling of so hanging up that click, the, hanging up the phone, and this yeah. feeling of nobody, uh, nobody. I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm alone. I'm isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's where you're at a crossroads when that. Mm-hmm when you experience a tragedy like that yeah. or a, a loss and then, but if you allow it to wash over you cause you're afraid it's going to pull you out to sea mm-hmm. and you're going to disappear somehow, but you're not going to disappear. Mm. Uh, it opens up ironically a sense of connection. Mm. Uh, so, so, but you have to go through the isolation first mm-hmm. and, 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 and realize it's just an illusion and maybe the connection is too, but it's Dumbo's feather, and and he really believed the the elephant yeah. believed that he could, fly he could fly because of the feather, and the fe- so the feather did make him fly. Well, and I think too, it's a profound story. Sort of the darker side of that same thing is, it can pull you to see, if you let it pull you to see. Yeah, if you yeah. you have a the, the the crossroad is, in my opinion, choosing the connection. Yeah. And leaning into that quote unquote Dumbo's feather. Yeah. Which or, is your own agency, I guess. Yeah. Or leaning into the isolation and the, there is a, there is a certain amount of isolation that happens during morning that I think is, yes. is useful yes. and helpful, but, or, and one, you can go so deep into that, that you do get pulled out to see, Alone yeah, you make and it your identity, and uh, and we see that in social media, really. Or maybe, we, maybe it was already already happening, but we just see it more often because mm-hmm. of social media. But people that will make something their entire identity. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, adult Disneyland goers. Yeah, right, right. Uh, <laughs> do they are they called Disney files or something? <laughs> or, but they, they'll make it their entire right, identity, yeah, yeah. and that's not just di- you know. It's it's across the board. It's just weird. I could see a thirteen year old doing that. You know, this is who I am now, <laughs> and you become a goth or yeah. something. You know. Yeah. But to see a forty year old yeah. man who has well, children the, and a mortgage. Well, the, know, my favorite like, one too wow. is uh, the that's come super popular. The ice baths. Ice baths. Yeah, where people like the will, will 
No, I mean, yeah, but it's everybody is doing it now. Really? Why and, would you do and, that if well, you weren't tackled but, by? But but they but they make it their identity. So if you look at their social media, it's like, is all this person doing all day is just, <laughs> just getting in these ice baths? I've never and, heard. And I guess I don't spend enough it's time. Very, it's very funny. Wow. I think it's it's become very popular in like sort of the new age type realm so maybe that's like how it's popped up on mine but it's it's very it's 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 different obviously yeah. but it's similar to like you know wearing the mickey mouse ears and yeah. so they just have this fucking tub full of ice and they dive in and you know i'm gonna stick to my friends who wear the tinfoil hats <laughs> and talk about ufos on reddit UAPs. <laughs> uaps baby um no, I think no, I think that's a good point as far as that that idea of of through grief, through mourning after loss. Because it doesn't just have to be death, right? That's sort of what kicked off this conversation, but right. really just any kind of um brokenheartedness. Yeah. Anything that just this really crushes you and um, you know, it, it can come in many forms and, and today we sort of focus on this idea of death, but many other things can cause mourning and cause grief. Yeah. And it's like do you allow that brokenness to isolate you and you sort of make that your identity sort of like we we're joking about, or do you allow that brokenness um, to sort of let the light shine through, I guess yeah. that divine light and, and help you connect with your, with those around you, whether they're mourning the loss or not. Right. Like yeah. they might not like you, the thing with the, with your great grandmother, like the other kid didn't, didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but, um, that doesn't mean that you still can't be connected with with those people in some way, shape, or form. No, there does become a you can become, and you don't try to do this, but it just be, you become an island for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's I just had a memory of this very brief encounter. Sorry, that's our our prayer chime going off there. Um, and it was it was just a brief meeting. It was an acquaintance. Marsh and I went to their house. And what she wanted us to meet a professional colleague of hers. It wasn't, you know, I, I don't think we even had dinner. I think it was just maybe just some drinks or something. I yeah. don't even remember. But and and she was very professional, you know, in her, in her yeah. presentation of herself. For some reason, Marsha and and our mutual friend left the room, so I was left alone for like maybe three minutes mm-hmm. with this with this person. And all of a sudden, she tells me, uh, my child died. And uh, I, I think uh, the, the SIDS or whatever, uh, the, the crib yeah, yeah. thing. And, and she said, and I feel, she goes, I, I feel like I am falling endlessly into, free falling into just this darkness. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I had a moment of empathy and... So why did she feel like she would tell me that a total stranger that right? Because oh. uh, there's something about me. I've been marked, if you will, by mm-hmm. tragedy, and she somehow reckon the suffering in her recognized the suffering in mm-hmm. me, and we didn't continue uh, a conversation, and yeah. it didn't, and and we never talked again. We never exchanged emails, nothing like that, nothing on social media. It was just that brief, momentary encounter. Somehow people know, you know, there's an inward gaze that I can see on people when I know they've recently suffered a loss. Mm -hmm. I can tell, I see it in their eyes. It's a weird thing not to get all woo woo, but no, that's, I mean, that's, that's precisely what we're talking about today. Yeah. And she needed to tell someone that. Well, that was going to be my point is, yeah, you don't need to continue the conversation. There's nothing more that needs to be said. Yeah. Just her feeling safe enough to say that. Yeah. to you in the in those what brief minutes yeah. maybe even seconds she didn't know anything about me i didn't i don't introduce myself as <laughs> right. pastor dave You're i don't right. yeah, use yeah. that <laughs> that presentation about myself uh, you know what i mean yeah. it wasn't so anyway yeah um you feel good yeah that was a, that was a good a conversation off today but you know yeah Stomach issues. It's that div- diverticulitis. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, thank you, Mr. Danny West. Happy again, birthday, showing sir. up. Happy birthday. Um, thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background with the monk drums. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com. 
It's a place to go to get David's book, Desolate Beauty, the Book of uh, Light and Shadow, um, and two more books in the near Allegedly. future. <laughs> One more book in the, in the near, near future. Now I'm banging my head against a wall right now. <laughs> Uh, but more to more to be revealed on that. And uh, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Appreciate your time. And uh, let's get into it. <laughs>